0: 18 plus.
1: Two Titans in radio come together for one great segment. It's Mark Daniels and Mike Bianchi on the bridge.
0: 80 song of the day. I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with the Bangles or the go gos
1: Hmm. No.
0: Linda Ronstadt.
1: How many uh, cards in a deck of cards?
0: 52. The B-52s. Very nice. Very nice.
1: Tell <laughs> me you put us on that $100,000 pyramid. We're going to win every time. <laughs> Name
0: of Especially the song? The musical version. Can this you is do the song. Rome.
1: Not the city, but the word Rome, R-O-A-M. Mm. Not that Rome's not a word either. But.
0: Have you ever played the, the famous card game, 52 Pickup?
1: Yes, Mike. <laughs> that still makes me laugh. Not really a card game, but sure.
0: <laughs> uh, all right, we're going to get to UCF in a minute. I want to save. The, that's that's going to be a very interesting topic. But I want to get to a couple of other things before we get to UCF. Uh, Felipe Franks, uh, the Gator quarterback on Saturday, leads the Gators to 21 points in the span of 16 minutes. The Gators rally to beat Will Muschamp at the Swamp. There's a surprise. Will Muschamp lost the game at the Swamp, right? (laughs) So anyway, Felipe Frank scores the go-ahead touchdown, and when he scores the go-ahead touchdown, he does the little index finger to his mouth as if to shush all the boo-birds and naysayers at the Swamp who've been booing this guy unmercifully since last season.
1: Well, I thought it was South Carolina fans of the
0: game. <laughs> no. He was, he was shushing his own fans. You don't see that very much. Afterwards, Felipe Frank said this. You know, maybe that's something that I shouldn't have
1: did. Um, but at the same time, you know, I'm an emotional player. I, I want to win as much as anybody in the world. I'm a competitive guy, emotional guy, and um, that's the way I play my game. And, um, you, know, you know, so I do apologize for that. But, you know, it's just great to get another W.
0: Mark, why did he have to apologize for that? Why did he feel the need to apologize for that? I thought it was fabulous. Because if he doesn't say that,
1: then uh, our business would make a larger story out of it. If his answer was, yeah, I'm trying to silence my critics who I think are overreacting. Yes. That, well, then there, there would have been media people going, well, you don't do that, man. So bravo. I say took, bravo okay, to Felipe. Well, he took the... The high he, red? He, he took the path of least resistance there <laughs> is what he took. Did you hear what
0: Dan Mullen said after the game? Did he rip the crowd again? Play, play Dan Mullen talking about the crowd. I thank all the fans that were here and the atmosphere they created, <laughs> our student body and the Gator Nation. They did, a, they did an amazing job and were a huge part of that win of, you know, to sit there and think that you're down 17 with four minutes to go in the game. You know, I not only a person left. I don't think a person stopped giving effort. Any of the fans left. They were all here going crazy, and they they, they pulled us through in the end to get the win. <laughs> You think he got a little criticism last week for ripping the fan base? (laughs) I I guess, yeah. Wow. Uh, That was a big, big get-off-the-canvas win for the Gators on Saturday. Would you agree? I mean, if they had lost that game, the bottom would have fallen out. Um, And now— What do you mean the bottom would have fallen out? After where they were after the Georgia game to lose— yeah, they lost to Missouri. Yeah, they lost to Missouri and then to yeah. lose to another mediocre to below-average team at home after losing to Missouri at home. Oh, it, Gator fans would have been very, 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 very negative. Very negative. Obnoxious. So it's all well now? Because they have a chance to win 10 games. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Yes. All it's right. all well
1: now. Okay, so, that's, so this is the roller coaster where they lost to Georgia. And it was okay. Then they lost to Missouri and it was, well, they got problems. Now they rallied to beat South Carolina yeah. game they could have lost and yeah. now all is well. Yes. Okay.
0: Yeah, there would have been noxious negativity. Okay. There would have been a lot of noise noise in the system as Ron Zook would have said. I understand. Said. Yeah.
1: I understand. Uh, I, By I, the way, Florida's poll penalty for losing two or three was four spots.
0: I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs>
1: Oh, anyway. No, look, it's a nice win. I mean, To rally like they did, too. Here's my point, though. Not everybody plays for the national championship. Mm -hmm. And if you're a Florida fan, okay, and, and you may think this is silly the last three weeks, you can still enjoy this season. You can enjoy what was going into the Georgia game and for two and a half quarters playing well, then they lost the game. You can be angry that they lost the game to Missouri. But if you're a Florida fan... That was an exciting game on Saturday in which they won. It's okay to enjoy it and say, let's win the next week, let's win the next week. Mm-hmm. It's okay if you don't win the national championship and still have fun with your team. Yeah. And I think a, a Florida fan sitting at 7-3 and three should
0: still be having fun this season. <laughs> You know what Doug Dickey, the old Gator coach back in the day, you know what he once said. This was back in the days when they played. I'm what Doug Dickey said because I like Doug Dickey. Back Doug in Dickey the day when, they, when when they only played ten games instead of you know twelve or thirteen that they play now, Doug Dickey says I'd rather finish seven and three than nine and one because when you finish nine and one they talk about the one game that you lost. When you finish seven and three they talk about the ones that you won. He couldn't coach today with that philosophy, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't work today. Yeah. Should FSU fans just be happy too then? Is that what you're saying? Just be happy with your four and no, sixteen.
1: You know what was disappointing if you're an FSU fan? You didn't expect to win, but you can't watch that game Saturday and see the glaring difference in gap between the two teams. Yeah. And just come away with every aspect, every position of that game, Notre Dame is better than Florida State.
0: Mark, I was thinking about this as I was watching the FSU-Notre Dame game. And, again, I wasn't really paying attention to college football when I was a, a little tyke when, when Daryl Mudra was the coach at FSU. This is the worst FSU team I've ever seen. I've ever seen since I've been paying attention to college football. The worst. Um. I mean, there's the, – Yes. Right. Yeah, I mean, back-to-back-to-back to back games, they've given up at least 40 points. That's never happened before at Florida State.
1: Even Fred McGriff's impressed with that.
0: <laughs> Hope
1: you caught that back-to-back-to-back to back to back okay. Um Yeah, that, I mean, there's nothing you take out of that that, that, that makes you feel r- really good. And, and Mike, uh, you know, I mean, the bull streak, I guess, was going to end at some point, but it, 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 it's what's the product at the end. I um, think Miami feels today. Whew. Here's a third consecutive year of a four game losing streak for Mark Rick. They're five and five. They might not make a bowl game either. Who no, they? they got? Well, they got Pitt left.
0: They have uh, Pitt's beating everybody
1: now. Um, and uh, in Cozy Perry wasn't horrendous, but he wasn't great. And it's funny when you're five and five, the turnover chain doesn't look as cool now, does it? Huh? No. Nah. When you're five and five,
0: especially since they're the ones who are turning the ball over so much now. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Mark Rick's in trouble this
1: year. I do think if he backs it up with a similar season next year. Um, but where where's Miami at right now? At five and five with a team that um, has had poor offensive line play. They've had a few injuries, but I who mean, else do
0: they have besides Pitt? Um, because have- I'm not sure that they're going to be bowl eligible for crying out loud. And this comes a year after being in the ACC championship game a year ago. Yeah.
1: Miami was number two in the country yes uh a year ago and people had them I don't know, about locked in but saying you know that they were a, a legitimate playoff contender uh they're two and four in uh, the ACC they've lost four consecutive games and as the screen loads Miami has
0: oh they're at Virginia Tech and then host Pitt okay they could lose both of, I mean obviously Virginia Tech they got buried by Pitt. What about Pitt? How about Virginia Tech? Remember the day they beat Florida
1: State? We thought, man, that's a top-ten team right there. That Justin Fuentes, and you can't, you know, Bud Foster, that defense. and
0: What's happened to Pitt since UCF annihilated them?
1: They're actually the, if not the best, one of the best, well, they are the running best power-running team, Power running team yeah. in the country. I mean, the old line it up and run it at you. And um, as I, I was watching one of the studio shows, and, of course, it was, well, Syracuse played that tough Pitt team. so That was a tough Pitt team they played, but Pitt, that was the bad Pitt team that UCF
0: played. (laughs) (laughs) I got it. I don't think Pitt is going to beat Clemson, but the way they run the football, they might be able to keep it close,
1: right? Yeah, but Clemson can do the same thing they did to Boston College on Saturday. I'll do enough to to, to, to just win, and I don't need style points right now. And, And their defense is really, really good.
0: All right, the big news, Mark, here in Orlando, obviously, UCF, uh, they beat Navy on Saturday. They remain unbeaten, 22 straight games now. And game day announced yesterday that they are coming to Orlando for the UCF-Cincinnati game. I'm saying that this is the most – this will be the biggest buildup for a regular season game in UCF football history. You should know. Uh, You've been covering UCF. You've been the voice of UCF. For nigh on a quarter century now? 24 years. 24 years. Um, is it? Will this be the biggest buildup for a regular season game in UCF history? Yes. Because of game day?
1: Yeah, I mean, the USF game last year was massive, um, and for the obvious reasons. The same reasons are in play here. It's not your rival like USF, but you throw in the fact that uh, game day is coming here. The, the the story of game day in UCF just a couple of weeks ago, not 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 like a year ago or two months ago, um, and then the fact that it's ABC primetime, the number one crew, I mean, the production crew, I mean, they're bringing every bell and whistle that you can imagine. So from that standpoint, it, it, it's the biggest week uh, that I think on campus UCF has ever had for a football game.
0: What does this mean? Again, you've been covering this program for a long time. What does this week mean, and what does the game day presence and the ABC time slot mean? Saturday night. What does that mean to this program? Well,
1: look, um, uh,
0: you cannot deny that, that the people
1: involved on game day are influencers in college football throughout the year. That, that they give an opinion to individuals that, that have a job in life that don't sit and watch college football or study college football. So they're influencers. I mean, that, that, that's realistic. And the thing that's interesting to me is that group has never been here. So the opportunity for UCF, put aside all of the social media stuff, is that crew will get a chance to see your campus that they've not done before. Now that's influence right there. The weather should be great on Saturday. Um, so, so to have that crew come, see your facilities, sit in Josh Heipel's office on Friday, talk to him about the game, to see that this is a modern campus, unlike some of the historical campuses they go to, that this is a place that is newly built uh, compared to other universities. To see the facilities, to see a swimming pool, to see the dorms where kids live, not that they're walking inside of it, but to see this campus, which they've never done. That will help in their dialogue in the future and understanding what your commitment is to athletics and football. Where I think sometimes the criticism or the lack of respect for non-major brands is more about you've just not been there to see an experience. Then after game day, which I hope gets this amazing crowd, is it's a chance for that stadium. For the first time to have Chris Fowler, Kirk Herb Street, their main crew experience that stadium for a sold-out crowd and a hard sellout where that place is truly rocking. and Literally. And then the game. They've never experienced that. So if, if the week leads up to a victory in a big game, They're going to leave here with a positive view about UCF. doesn't mean they're going to promote them for the playoff, but it now helps their dialogue in the future about, hey, I was there. I saw their fan base. I saw that campus. I saw their commitment. I saw what they're building. That matters the next time they have a discussion about you, which is a frustration of a lot of, quote, group of five schools that simply can't sell
0: that to that group of
1: influential people.
0: I think the fact that, obviously, Danny White is – will probably have some dialogue and conversations with the game day crew as well. I think the fact that he can sit down with them and give them his viewpoint of what's the matter with the playoff could help too. When you're sitting across from somebody personally and you're having that conversation, I think it means a lot more. It's not just on the air, which
1: they're crazy, and I, I, I'm guessing they'll have Danny on. But, but, but it, Mike, again, this isn't just UCF, but, but it is UCF this week. You want to sit there and look at that group of, of individuals and say, Look at what we're building, what we're trying to build, and we can't get into one of your major leagues. Do you understand what the frustration is? It's not like we're taking a a check from somebody. We're part of the reason to drive up the media rights for the American. And here's our TV market, here's our facilities, here's our campus. See it. Now explain. Can you understand why you have an athletic director that says this is the system? There There is no advancement based on performance for us. So, so, can you understand our frustration? It's not like you go to a place to 6,000 people for a home game and you go, well, hey, they're cashing a check from somebody else. So, I think that's what's at stake. It's a seven hour, it's actually a, a 30 hour infomercial, is what it is, because they set up. Really, by Thursday they're done. Friday they go live to uh uh afternoon programming on ESPN College Football Live, then Sports Center that night, and the coverage of a game Friday night, and then obviously there for game day Saturday. So really, uh, from 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 five o'clock on thir- uh, Friday, you got coverage at some point on ESPN.
0: Yeah, so I'm um, I'm you know watching Kirk Kerb Street make the announcement on the ESPN. I, I guess they they shot a video on their own and put it on their game day Twitter account. Uh, here was Herb Street uh, talking about the announcement. The Cincinnati Bearcats are a great opponent to celebrate what's going on right now in the athletic. Luke Fickle doing a great
1: job of the Bearcats, and UCF with their first-year head coach Josh Heipel also obviously having a monster year. So college game day is coming to Orlando. Get all your signs ready. Everybody get fired up. It's going to be a great celebration for not just UCF, but for Cincinnati and the conference in general for the athletic.
0: Mark, did I... I mean I'm
1: serious? If there was one person <laughs> that they should have done a second take, that would have been the moment to do the second take where somebody should have said, Kurt, we gotta do this again. Why? It's the American. Like considering <laughs> what's gone on Twitter and social media and on right? game day, it's the one person that you should have said, we gotta do another take. Did
0: of they this. not catch that?
1: It's one thing if if Herb Street put on his own Twitter. He put it on game day's Twitter. It's like someone's got to edit that. Dude, no one calls the conference the Athletic. Okay,
0: yeah, that's what I was going to
1: ask no you. One, the American, huh? The American or the AAC? No one calls it. Maybe Herb
0: Street. Maybe that's his name. No for one it.
1: calls it that. They don't call it the Athletic. No, no one calls it the S Eastern Conference. <laughs> I mean, no one does that. I guess I've heard people make the mistake of calling the South uh, the SEC conference. That's not correct either, but. No one calls it The Athletic. The one guy that you probably should have done a second take on, that would have been the moment to do it.
0: <laughs> the Athletic. Maybe we should start calling it that. Uh, Maybe he was talking about the website that you subscribe to and get to read Josh Robbins. Don't pay. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'll tell you what. UCF, UCF hasn't faced a defense like they're going to face on Saturday, have they?
1: Uh, probably not. Cincinnati's played. Uh, look, they're playing very well. They 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 beat Navy forty-two nothing. <laughs> they uh, uh beat uh, uh South Florida comfortably in the, uh, uh, in the second half. A uh, very talented running back. They're playing at high level. Listen, Luke Fickle's done a great job last season. They quit in the fourth quarter. That was the rain game in Cincinnati where UCF had seven possessions, scored seven touchdowns. Fickle wanted to play the fourth, and his AD said, you know, they haven't stopped scoring on us. You really want to go back out and play a fourth quarter, and then cancel the fourth quarter? Um, and he's done a great job. They found a quarterback. They got a running back, and they played a very good defense. So it's a you know good match, tough game. But if, Ur-
0: if Urban does leave Ohio State, like some people are hinting, Fickle might get that job, right? I'm confused now. I thought I thought Davey, assistant, who was the interim coach,
1: that he's the quote coach and rating, uh, you know, coach and waiting, you know.
0: Yeah, but wasn't Fickle the interim coach when when they went six and six? Yeah, when they went six and six. Yeah, yeah. And Then he left to take the Cincinnati job, right?
1: Well, actually, he was on Urban staff before he took the Cincinnati job. He, he was go after the six and six. Yeah. Okay, yeah.
0: So anyway, by the way, speaking of coaching changes, uh, Bob Petrino fired uh, at Louisville over the weekend after a two and eight start. Been a good year for the major programs at Louisville, huh? Wow, yeah. A strong. You love that, yeah, I do. You, I do because I think yeah. you really have an unhealthy dislike for Louisville. Uh, no. Um Uh, Scott, he just
1: said, no, he doesn't. No, 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 no. An ego-driven athletic director that believed he was more powerful than he really is. Tom Jurich. A basketball coach that believes in all of his nonsense when he's as crooked as anybody. Rick Pitino. And a football coach that his body of work off the field warrants why he had a job at this level and also thought he was above anybody else, and now he got fired. And in a a comical way of irony, yesterday while the Bobby Petrino show was airing (laughs) on the local TV station in Louisville, the same station had a scroll saying that Petrino had been fired.
0: <laughs> Is that a classic? Is that classic dysfunction right there? Yeah. Wow. I was going to ask you, Charlie Strong, of course, the USF coach, used to be at Louisville, led Louisville to sort of a resurgence before he took the Texas job. Um, do you think Char- – I,
1: I said that to somebody this weekend, and they said, well, that's a- – well, and they did one of those uh, – um, Charlie Strong's not happy at USF. I know that for a fact. Well, they're going to go after Brom from Purdue. He okay. played there from there. Okay, and, but and, is that, and, and does Brom he has, leave Purdue? Well, I mean, he's got a decision to make. Does he want to stay at, at at Purdue? And even though Purdue's a nice story, be realistic. What are you playing for? Sixth in the Big Ten overall. I mean, can they ever really be above that? Well, I mean, couldn't you say the same thing about Louisville? Kinda. I'm just saying, though. Uh, do you think that's the best you can do in the Big Ten? Do you think and believe in yourself that at Louisville you can recruit and compete among the top 2 or 3 teams in the ACC? I mean the pack of the ACC is Clemson then down everybody else.
0: Yeah, I would say, even though Florida State's down right now, I would I'd still say Florida State has a much okay. well, better then chance. Well, he has to
1: make a decision if the answer is that he wants to stay at Purdue, you know, then you get to that next tier of groups, uh, you know, Mike Norvell at Memphis and So you think do you think Charlie Strong would want that Want to go back there? I do. I think that Charlie Strong will not openly pursue jobs, but I think his agent will probably be willing to let people know that they're going uh, to listen. Um, I don't say this because of the rival of UCF, although there's some criticism of Charlie that despite his impressive record on games after October 25th, I think he's three and five the last two years, but I think he might be frustrated by understanding that. You can put up pictures and show videos of what you want to build and what the commitment is, that if you don't get it, I think he kind of wonders, you know, smoke and mirrors are actual stuff. They've changed athletic directors. And, um, you know, I, I, I think if somebody came along and said to Charlie, here's $4 million a year at a Power 5 program, I think he might find that tempting. Now, having said that, again, he's done a decent job in two years at USF. So,
0: Real quick, I'm going to defend Blake Bortles here. Uh, because he always gets the blame when the Jaguars falter. They didn't lose because of him. Yesterday. No, he threw for like 320 yards, a couple touchdowns, no interceptions, and the fact that Rashad Green uh, he caught the pass at the end of the game, they were driving to try to either win or tie the game, and Rashad Green fumbles. The fact that Rashad Green was even on the field, I think is an indictment of the Jaguars and the the the. Roster they put around Blake Bortles. Did you believe that when he came out of college? No, because I thought he was a good possession. Sort of obvious. I thought, yeah, <laughs> I thought he would, But I mean, the fact that he's he's been on and off of rosters yeah. over the last few years. I mean, I thought I thought Brashad Perriman was going to be a good pro too, but that didn't happen. So no, the Jags' defense let them down in that game yesterday. Yes. I mean, yeah. Yes. So again, I I think Bortles. It's, I,
1: it's too late though. Listen, there's nothing Blake can do to change the opinion of a fan base that, that I think when, once they turn on a quarterback, they turn, and, and, and it's impossible to win them over. And, and Blake could finish the season strong, uh, and I'm not quite sure that they'll ever truly believe because now the Jaguars are 3-6. and six, So Even if he finishes strong, we're talking about, what, maybe the Jags finishing 500? That's not going to win people over.
0: Yeah. All right, peace, love, Boil Peanuts. Have a great show. It is sports next